everybody, welcome back to another edition of Two Strike Noise, your weekly baseball history podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Jeff. Joining me as usual from our Seattle studios is my, as I said, co-host, Mark A. Johnston. Mark, welcome back. Man, it is just awesome to re- be right back here in the hot seat, ready to talk some baseball. You've been watching the uh, Korean League. I have that in in the in the Taiwan League. Yeah, I have been watching, not live. I'm I can't stay up that late. Yeah, well, I'm I'm fortunate. I don't sleep, so uh, I you know I've been able to watch some good baseball, and and it's been fun. Yeah, I can't. I also can't stand the ESPN. There's a reason I don't watch major league games on ESPN and it's just like twofold with the Korean <laughs> games where they're only like half paying attention and they're just they're talking about coffee and yeah. other stuff it's like I I mean I I watch the broadcasts that are in Korean so I don't understand but I when I watch a game I rarely listen to the broadcasters anymore because it's just it's stuff I've heard a million times so I just concentrate on the game and think about the game so I remember back in the days of uh, Saturday morning baseball, you know, when they would show a lot of Dodgers games out here. And uh, Joe Garagiola always wanting to talk about the back of the batter's box getting wiped out. I mean, (laughs) every week, dude. It was every week. (laughs) Look at the back of the batter's box has gotten wiped out again. Oh, no. It's like this tragedy. Uh, Yeah. You you know, I would listen to Joe Gargiola and Vin Scully on the game of the week. I would listen to again because that was might be one of two games I got to see the whole week. Right. Exactly. But also those two were such a great. I mean, obviously, Vin Scully is the greatest of all time, but they were so great together. And for someone that didn't have all the baseball knowledge I have now or which is a lot of people still say is not a lot. uh, That was great to great to hear them talk about anything. Yeah, I I, uh, I always enjoyed the Saturday morning games. I just, you know, have heard enough about the back of the batter's box. That's enough now. <laughs> All right. Well, Mark, we got to start out this show with a big mea culpa. Kangaroo Court might make its its yearly base salary might increase twofold Uh-oh. by what I have to. I come to you with hat in hand, head not slightly bowed. But I'm looking down at the ground. I might even be on my knees here. Uh oh. Last week, I and the, I I can't even. I mean, I could blame you, but you know that's <laughs> that's kind of our shtick. Yes. But of course. No, I'm, I will take I will take this one on the chin. I, I brought forth some numbers of people that had played for both the Yankees and the Mets and some hitting totals. Yes. And I. I I know where I got these numbers and I didn't do my usual kind of uh, query on my own to figure these numbers out. I'm just like your due diligence, so to speak. I did not do my due diligence. And uh, we found out the easiest way to get listener interaction is to say something (laughs) wrong on the Internet. (laughs) That's right. Exactly. Exactly. Our listeners are brilliant. Well, and you know what? I want to give our listeners. First of all, I want to give our listeners credit because they could be jerks. They could, you know, it's the Internet. You could really let us have it. And we got some great responses from people saying, hey, what about, you know, totally just wanting to talk baseball? And we really appreciate that. Absolutely. uh, I I want to apologize to everybody because I mentioned that Carlos Beltran has the most hits combined between the Yankees and the Mets. And that is false. 
He is actually number two. Uh, we got a lot of people asking about Daryl Strawberry, and sure. he is definitely there. He is number three. So Carlos Beltran had a total of 1,213 hits between the two teams. Uh, Daryl Strawberry had 1,025 hits as a member of the Mets and 169 with the Yankees for a total of 1,194. Okay. But the number one guy with, in terms of hits between those two teams just snuck in under the wire, and that's because he just played his first season for the Mets last year. Robinson Cano. Oh, dude, yeah. I far and away the that. leader. I didn't yeah. even think about that. Jeez. So he, he had 1,649 hits <laughs> in the pinstripes while he was in the Bronx. Yeah, that's, he had a few hits there. So just there, there's, there's a good chunk of hits. Last year, he only had 100 with the Mets, but it doesn't matter because he played for both teams. That's right. That gives him 1,749 hits. So that is well over 500 more than Carlos Beltran. So just a slight lead. Yeah, just a slight lead. But thank everybody for letting us know there. I'm going to go ahead and find myself. Um, I'm going to find myself $10, which is a big, big, pretty big fine for us here. Send it our way, man. I will, uh, I will make sure our treasurer gets that. I am the treasurer, so I can report that I've gotten that. Uh, the fee has been paid. <laughs> <laughs> Good news. But, but Robinson Cano is is easily your leader there until until we figure out somebody else. And I did last night spend a good bit of time looking at guys that have played for both teams. And I feel confident that Robinson Cano is the answer. But please let me know if I am wrong, because it wouldn't be the first time. I would put our fans baseball knowledge up against any sort of listener set from any other podcast or, or our knowledge <laughs> well no i wouldn't put that up against it but but our listeners man they are a bright set of people yeah no and they like to talk baseball and we really appreciate everybody so that's yep. great all right so let's uh let's start our bp segment i've i've lightened my pockets with the <laughs> with the kangaroo court let's talk uh just some trivia some some strange things I wanted to talk. I asked this question uh, some of, to some of our friends on Padres Twitter a week or so ago, and I got one or two people that knew the answer. A lot of people with smart ass answers. Sure. <laughs> I asked Padres fans who was the last player to wear number forty-two for the Padres. Now, hmm. of course, forty-twos retired across Major League Baseball in honor of Jackie Robinson. When they did so, anybody wearing 42 at the time was grandfathered in. They could keep wearing it seemingly until the end of their career. Uh, and, and the last person to do it was uh, for the Yankees, of course, it was Mariano Rivera. Right. So I asked this question. I got a lot of people saying, well, everybody wore 42 on Jackie Robinson Day last uh -huh. year. Yeah, I get yeah. it. Uh, but my question to Padres specifically is who was the last player not on Jackie Robinson Day, to wear number 42. And the, the answer was Pedro Martinez. Which Pedro Martinez? <laughs> it's Pedro A. Martinez. Uh -huh. <laughs> but because I, I saw a lot of people, I didn't know Pedro even played for the Padres, or I got a lot of Pedro didn't play for the Padres. I know, it was Pedro A. Martinez. Right. People don't remember that. There was uh, there were two Martinez's and and 
one was a big superstar. And the other was Pedro A. <laughs> I, 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 he got further than I ever did, but yes, not quite as as far as the other Pedro. Yeah. So do you remember who the last, you're, you're a Mariners fan, who was the yeah. last Mariner to wear number 42? Wow. Um, can I just give the answer that everybody did on? Uh, <laughs> no, because that's no? not appreciated. It's not helpful. That doesn't that doesn't advance the conversation. Where have I been helpful? Um, uh, that's a good question. I I would be totally and completely guessing. You want me to guess? Sure, guess. Or should I just? <laughs> it, it, he played. He was on. He was on the Mariners in 1999. Um. Yeah, I have no guesses either. <laughs> <laughs> Butch Heskey. Butch Husky, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. I, I knew I knew to throw the white flag on that one. I wouldn't have come up with that. <laughs> I didn't. If you had asked me if Butch Husky had played for the Mariners, I remember him with the Mets. I, I'm not sure I remember him yeah. on the Mariners. But uh, yeah, interesting list here of I've got a list in front of me of the last player to wear 42 for each team. There was one player. We'll throw this out there for you as well. One player that was the last player to wear number 42 for three separate teams. Any idea who that might be? No. Mo Vaughn. Mo Vaughn wore 42 for three separate teams. No kidding. Yeah. So, I mean, I remember Mo Vaughn always wore 42 and he wore sure. it in honor of Jackie Robinson. Wore it for the Red Sox, the Angels, and the Mets. Last guy on all th- in all three organizations to wear number 42. Nice. Uh, looking down this list of, of, uh, Jose Lima wore it uh, for two teams, the Astros and the Tigers. And then there's just some great names that I haven't thought about for a while. Toby Borland for the Phillies. Armando Reynoso for the Braves. Oh, yeah. Kurt Ruder for the Giants. Yeah. There's some uh, interesting names in here I have not not heard for a, for a while. But uh, So there you go. There's the, uh, the last player to wear 42 for each team. I wonder if Mo Vaughn wore 42 for Seton Hall. I bet he did. I don't remember. I remember I recently saw a picture of him from his time in Seton Hall, but I don't remember don't remember what number he was wearing. Boy, could that guy hit. Oh, my gosh. In I think he East. owns – yeah, he owns a trucking company now. Really? And I, I remember last time I was at uh, Progressive Field. Is that what Cleveland's called these days? They, uh, they have ads up at the very top of the stadium, kind of in right field, and Movon Trucking is up there, which is weird because he never – did he play for the Indians? I don't know if Movon played for the Indians oh, or not. Man, I just remember him as, as a Red Sox player mostly. Uh, nope, never played for the – yeah, those are the only three teams he played for. It's weird that he has an ad there, but yeah. He, Wasn't Movon MVP one year of the AL? Yes, he was in yeah. 1995 for the Red Sox. There you go. The man could hit. Drove in 126 runs, led the league in strikeouts and RBIs, a oh, wow. 963 OPS for the year. Okay. Nothing wrong with that. that. No. <laughs> Move on. Career 293 hitter. Anybody that knows Move on personally, send him our way. I'd like to chat with him a little. Uh, well, he is the cousin of Greg Vaughn. That's right. Yes. Greg, are you listening? <laughs> Any Vaughn, send him to it. <laughs> Ricky Vaughn, sure. Rick Vaughn. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Do you remember? Hayes? Wait, that's different. I always thought that was just his last name was Von Hayes, and they never. He was like Ichiro. <laughs> he was like they just like know Ichiro him by one or, or share. Just Pele. Von. Yeah, Von Hayes. Do you remember Movon's nickname? I believe he was also the hit dog. 
Yep, very nice. <laughs> yeah, along with your buddy Lance. Not no, Lance was the one dog. The one dog. <laughs> and the hit dog. What about the hot dog? That was Ricky. Oh, sure. All right. So let's uh, let's move on to our debut segment. Uh, we got a couple of, of debuts. It's been kind of slim pickings. I'm not going to lie these last couple of weeks in debuts. Uh, this show today is premiering on May 12th. A couple of uh, debuts for you. First of all, we're going to go way back to 1894. Jimmy Whoa. Callahan. Now, I could not get the box score for this game. Jimmy Callahan, uh, his Phillies lost to Baltimore 8-3. to On uh, what I really wanted to talk about with Jimmy Callahan was September 19th, 1902. He went to a bachelor party at a, at, at, a, uh, at a local bar. And the following day, September 20th, he had to, he had to, he had a really bad hangover. But he went ahead and he threw the first no hitter by an American League pitcher. Oh, that's funny. Also the first White Sox to throw a no hitter. No kidding. That's funny. But that's kind of timely because just last week, Dallas Brayton, you know, pitcher for the A's, he threw the perfect game. On Mother's Day, 10 years ago, so just a couple of days ago was the 10-year anniversary, he just admitted that he was hungover when he threw that perfect game. So, it, and I read, I listened to the interview. He's not much of a drinker, Dallas Braden wasn't, but the night before, for some reason, they had really tied one on. I don't yeah. know why, but uh, uh, this happens. he was hungover when he threw that perfect game. That's pretty funny. Callahan, though, he is the only pitcher to have collected five hits in a game three times. What? Not a bad hitter. Well, I guess. What, what, Tony Gwynn was a pitcher, I guess. Yeah. And, of course, no DH at that point in sure. the American League. So, yeah, he's up there with a big stick. Wow. He also, on the other side, though, he gave up 48 hits in two consecutive starts in, <laughs> oh in the year God. 1900. September 11th, he gave up 23 hits. And the next game, he gave up 25. Wow. Well, I can say this for the guy. He threw strikes. But, I mean, he had to stay in the game to give up that many hits. So, <laughs> Yeah, we've discussed a few times how guys don't go the distance anymore. Boy, I don't know if you want him going the distance. Uh, next, 1963, Mickey Lolich. Oh, yeah. So, Mickey came in in relief, got a no decision versus Cleveland. He threw two innings, struck out three. On the other end, for Cleveland, Sudden Sam McDowell got the win. One of those great nicknames. Nice. Mickey Lolich was really an eccentric guy. This was a quote from a sports writer in 1964 that wrote of Lolich. He now eats, writes, and bats left-handed, pitches left-handed, and thinks sideways. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Yeah, he's quite a character. 1968, he was the World Series MVP as uh, as uh, his tigers beat the cardinals yes he went 3 and 0 in the world series through three complete games ended up with a 1.67 era and he beat wow. bob gibson in that game 7 bob gibson in 68 his era was i think 1.12 it was ridiculous yeah that's well, right full season yeah, I, so this was, I mean, 3-0, and o, and then you beat Bob Gibson in Game 7 to win it. That's Wow. Those, those two teams uh, in 68, we should just do a, a show on those two teams. St. Louis had Bob Gibson with a 1.12 ERA, and uh, Detroit had Denny McLean with 31 yep. wins that year. 
Yeah, so Gibson beat McLean in game one and four, but oh, Gibson wow. came back in game seven, and uh, McLean went in game six, I believe. So Lolich, wow. Yeah, Lolich went both. They shortened up the they shortened up the rotation there, and they both went on on short rest. But uh, wow. he was also the last pitcher with three victories in the same World Series until Randy Johnson the accomplished the same feat in the two thousand and one World Series for the Diamondback. Wow. Yes, that's right. This is uh, this is a quote from Mickey Lolich. Uh, he was uh, score. If you read the back of scores baseball cards, if they had one for Mickey Lolich, would have probably called him chunky or something. They're kind of famous for calling larger people, larger athletes, chunky. This was Lilich's quote. I guess you could say that I'm the redemption of the fat man. A guy will be watching me on TV and see that I don't look in any better shape than he is. Hey, Maud, he'll holler. Get a load of this guy. And he's a 20 game winner. So <laughs> He was well aware of his stature. And uh, yeah, probably awesome. uh, every man's uh, kind of pitcher. Something I want to throw out there for our listeners, though. Just so you know, in 1971, he pitched 376 innings, kids. That, there's that, something you won't see no, happen ever no, again. That's not going to happen. He faced 1,538 batters that year. Is this Lolich or Gibson? Lolich. Wow. Mickey Lolich. 376 innings allowed 336 hits, struck out 308. And was the number two guy on the staff. <laughs> he, was, he, he was only 25 and 14 that year. Oh, geez. Loser. Yeah, he was something. That's the name you don't hear enough. I'll tell you that. All right. So uh, I got two more names here. One really quick. Eric Plunk debuted this day in 1986. I want to mention him because he was twice traded for Ricky Henderson. That's right. Next, 2015, Noah Syndergaard made his debut. Lost to the Cubs, Jake Arrieta. He threw five and a third inning, gave up six hits, three earned runs, struck out six. Uh, Syndergaard, born and grew up in Texas, but hates the Cowboys, so good for him. <laughs> uh, nicknamed Thor, of course, because of his uh, usually has long blonde hair. We discussed this with uh, when we had Jesse Goldberg Strassler on from the Lansing Lugnuts a couple of weeks ago. He was drafted by the Blue Jays, but traded to the Mets along with Travis Darno for R.A. Dickey and a couple other guys. What I did not know, the Syndergaard has taken to naming all of his gloves after fictional characters. <laughs> okay. He has uh, previous gloves has been named Drago from Rocky IV. Heisenberg after Breaking Bad. Yeah. And Rick Grimes from The Walking Dead. <laughs> so that's kind of cool. I've, I've never named any equipment. I got to start thinking about that. He's appeared several times uh, in cameos on TV shows. Usually as himself, but I'm just going to mention once he was on Impractical Jokers because I love that show. Yeah, that's funny. Uh, Just a couple of other odd things from this date. 1979 on Saturday Night Live, Bill Murray, anchoring the live uh, weekend update, reports that 42-year-old Chico Escuela has officially (laughs) informed the Mets that he is quitting baseball. Chico Escuela. God, a great character. Portrayed by Garrett Morris. Yep. Who, uh, who who coined the very, very good to me. Baseball. Uh, which which uh, <laughs> Sammy Sosa literally echoed that in the uh, in the late like 1990s, 2000s. He would always say very, very good to me. That's right. That's awesome. Yeah, it, it was a it was a blow off of the bat of Dodgers first baseman Steve Garvey, which uh, hit the uh, fictional uh, Dominican's crotch 
which which caused him <laughs> to retire. Chico Escuela. Uh, one more thing. In 2004, I, I just watched the video of this on YouTube. I'll, I'll put a link to it as well in the show notes. Alex Cora of the Dodgers fouls off 14 consecutive pitches. Wow. And then on the 18th pitch thrown to him by the Cubs' Matt Clement, homers for a two-run shot over the right field wall. Are you kidding me? That no, yeah. that's an at bat. <laughs> that he just he kept fouling them off. Most of them were just down the first baseline, but foul. And then wow. he uncorked one. And so I remember, you know, watching the video. It's great to see the names of the guys that were on the team. Adrian Beltre was on that team. Dave Roberts. So a couple of, you know, uh, managers on that team. Dave Roberts, they kept showing him. He's just laughing in the dugout, foul after foul. And then he hits his home run and he just goes crazy. That's but awesome. 14 consecutive pitches he fouled. Crazy. That's, that's fantastic. You got to love baseball because you just, you never know. All right. So let's get to trivia. I asked you a trivia question last week. Uh, let's see if you uh, came up with the answer. It was about Garrett Cole. Uh, yes. He struck out last year, 14 hitters in a game. Then he caved 14 the next game, and then he struck out 15 the next game. So three consecutive games with 14 or more strikeouts that had only been accomplished once prior in baseball history. Any idea who that was? Nolan Ryan. It was not Nolan Ryan. That was my only guess. Yeah, I don't, uh, I do not see that Nolan Ryan ever did it more than once. You know, he never did it twice. Yes. Yeah. The answer is Pedro Martinez, not oh, Pedro sure. A. Martinez, just the Hall of Famer, Pedro Martinez. That totally makes sense. Yeah. He did that in 1999. Wow. It's weird because Garrett Cole did this in three games and he, he only ended up with a, a record of 1-0. and Pedro oh. went 2-0. and One of Pedro's was a complete game. So Pedro pitched 24 innings while Garrett only went 20 and two-thirds. And Pedro struck out 46 to Garrett Cole's 43. But still in a a very, uh, very, uh, (laughs) it's a great feat. Pretty Um, dominant, yeah. Looking down this list of guys that have done it of of 14 plus consecutive back-to-back games, Sudden Sam McDowell, again, we mentioned him just earlier. He did it twice. Bob Gibson did it once. Randy Johnson did it four times wow pedro martinez also did it just back to back twice bob gibson did it once mickey lolich did it once man there you go. he's back yeah these it's weird i didn't look at these list of other guys and it's just guys that we've already mentioned but so there you go uh, pedro martinez let me give you your question for next week manny ramirez Derek jeter and hank bauer hold the record for longest postseason hitting streak at 17 games. Hmm. The second place player came in with a streak of 16 games. One less. Who is it? <laughs> Let's see. There's what, 20,000 people I can pick from? Well, this is postseason, so that narrows it down right there. Okay, who did you say, who did you say first? Manny Ramirez, Derek Jeter, and Hank Bauer. They have okay. all hit. They've all, they all at one point had a 17-game hitting streak in the postseason. One player, okay. all by himself, had a 16-game hitting streak. I, unless you look it up, you will never come up with this answer. Okay. So I'm <laughs> racking my brain for no reason. 
I'll tell you this. It, it was, it, it, you don't have to go back further than, than the mid eighties for this, but uh, you, you, you're never going to get this answer. Okay. <laughs> but uh, so there you have it. So who essentially, who was, who has the second longest postseason hitting streak? All right, let's uh, let's wrap it up. Let's let the ground screw come out, chalk right. the field, take the uh, put the, put in the new bases, wet down the infield, and we want to jump back in to the second part of our interview with uh, former major league pitcher Sean Lowe. We covered some great stuff last week. We've got more great stuff this week. Sean will talk about uh, steroids, and he pitched a, against a lot of guys that did a lot of steroids. Yes. We also, I didn't bring up the Astros specifically. I asked him more, you know, if somebody's on second base and you catch him flashing signs to the batter, what do you do? But uh, Sean did go on to talk about the Astros. Uh, He knows several people that were involved there. Uh, Just an interesting take on both of these, uh, both of these topics from a former major league player. So very interesting, plus a great, Wax Packs Heroes with Sean Lowe because he had personal stories about just about everybody included in the pack. So it's arguably the most entertaining Wax Packs Heroes we've had. 92 score had never been so interesting. That's right. (laughs) All right. So let's jump back into our interview with former Major League pitcher Sean Lowe. I, I got a question for you here. Really, you know, uh, this during the last offseason, a lot of uh, a lot of talk about the Astros and, and stealing signs mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. I want to ask you if you're on the mound, and you know, you, this might have even happened so that you can that you can give us a, a specific instance. You're on the mound. There's a runner on second, and you see him relaying signs to the batter. What do you do? Do you do you talk to anybody, or do you buzz the batter? What? Uh, how do you react in that situation? Um, well, normally what I did, you call the pitcher out or the catcher, right? So you kind of get on there. If you see him, you know, you come set, you see him do something. I would always just kind of step off, kind of look at him just to let him know that I know and go (laughs) to the catcher and change the sign. You know, if, if it continues to happen and we see it, of course, I mean, we would say, you know, give curveball and throw a fastball in, you know, and try to mainly not hurt nobody or do, but mainly just to let them know that, that we're on to you, you know what I'm saying? Or, or get them off of the sign, you know, cause if they're out there and they're giving signs and you give them a fastball away and they throw a fastball in or a curveball, that hitter, most of the time those big league hitters, they, if, if they can't trust it 100%, it ain't no good. But it has to be 100% or they don't want it. And a lot of guys, I always ask them, they didn't, some guys don't even want to know the sign. You know, even if you had them, they didn't want them. But I know it happened a lot, uh, a lot more than I probably knew about it, you know. But we always kept an eye, but I got a pretty good story about it. We were playing, and it was Mike DeFelice was catching. And I think it was in 03. Uh, with the Royals. I played with Mike in the minor leagues with the Cardinals, big leagues. We played together quite a bit, you know, uh, catcher. And I threw a pitch, and he jumps up. He starts running right to me like he was charging the mound. I'm like, what the hell? You know, I'm like, what I do? And all of a sudden, he runs right by me. And he's, he's cussing <laughs> at the guy at second base. 
yeah, no, nah, no, nah, you don't do that. I mean, he, he just started around like, what's going on? I mean, he had a temper, buddy, and he's, he's a good friend of mine to this day. You know, he caught a lot of pitches for me, and he'll protect me there. That's the way I know, and, and I'll take him at any day in a fight. But, you know, he started coming out. I swear, I was like, what the hell is going on here? And he, he went right by me. He was cussing at the guy second. No, it didn't, nothing happened other than he kind of got right by the mound, and he was letting the guy point at him, just letting him know. But I guess it just happened a few times, and eventually you just got to you gotta say, hey, you know, somebody's going to get hurt if you keep doing it, you know. I get it. If you got it and we don't know, more power to you. You know, that's part of the game. But when you get caught, you know, if you get caught, you got to, you, you know, you, you don't want to hurt your team either, you know, and, and teammates don't want that either. So, you know, the the game used to be able to be policed a lot better than it is now because you can't do those things. It, it, you know, toward the end of my time, it started, go, you know, going toward this to where, you, you know, you get warned for throwing inside. You know, the umpires like warning both sides and one side. You know, it's just they've taken a lot of that out of the game for the players, you know, and not necessarily a good thing, but I understand why. But, you know, I think that it, it takes a little bit of an advantage from a pitcher too because, you know, you just can't go in there much. and They always automatically think that you're trying to hit them. Every hitter does. You know, they wear those big guards on their arms and everything and, you know, and they dive over the plate and you can't throw in. But that's just kind of the way the game's gone. You know, the Astros thing to me is just a whole nother ball game. You know, I mean, that's that's unreal to me um, how that could happen. You know, I've always heard the things. I mean, back there was, it, I don't know if it was 99 or 2000, that Sandy Alomar came over to White Sox in 01. He was an Indian, you know, and they got accused of it like the year or two before that from doing it from the bullpen. Their, their bullpen is kind of in center field. And they used to have put a hand up. They always said that the guy would be standing there and he put his hand up, hmm. you know. You know, and then they put it down. I always heard those things. But, you know, Sandy came over in 01 and we're, we're like, y'all, y'all cheated, you know. Well, we've heard y'all cheated. He's like, <laughs> dude, we didn't – you see our lineup? We didn't even have a sign. He goes, all we did was hit. <laughs> I'm like, oh, you're right, you know. <laughs> you know, it's like, I hear you on that, but – you know, that was never – that was always rumored. And, you know, of course, the White Sox had the – you know, with Larusa back in the day, had the light out there. Yeah. You know, I always remember hearing that. But, yeah, and baseball players are paranoid. You know, but you'd never believe that there'd be banging, you know, trash cans and, and video. Like, I mean, that's just – that's a whole nother level. I hated to hear that. And, you know, it'll go away. You know, it, it'll go away, but – those guys, in my, you know, they'll be stained. There's going to always going to be those fans out there that are that are stained by it, you know. And you know, some of those cockiness stuff about them. And when you look back at a, you know, a few years uh, of their career, they, that they had that stuff. I mean, I mean, if you if you know for sure and it's a hundred percent, and you got the sign, I mean, you're looking in, and they got an algorithm, and they know, you know. They, I mean, not only are they I mean, from second base, you got to figure it out, right? Right. From from the dugout, it's a lot easier to look in at the first however many pitches, you know, and you sure. figure it out. And they no, oh, you're banging on a drum. You know, I, I get it, you know, and, and I can understand. I mean, in baseball, it's so hard. You know, you got to find a way to succeed, you know, and mm-hmm. guys go to extremes, you know, and, and when success comes off of those extremes, you know, it's hard to quit too, you know? So, sure. I mean, I get, 
that all got in there, and I hate that, you know, people got fired over it like they did. I, I don't think it was the manager's fault. I think they were scapegoats, you know, just because they had to. You know, they, the players spoke up and got an anonymity or whatever the heck you say, you know, so they had to get do something, and that was unfortunate for baseball. But, but I'm hoping that, you know, A.J. Hinch for sure, you know, I think he's good for the game. He's a good manager and smart guy. And I'm, I'm hoping that I'm sure he'll get he's back. He's done out. well everywhere he's gone. Players speak highly of him. I think he's a great pick, too. Yeah, I mean, I I played against him, quite, like I said, quite a bit, too, in the minors. You know, we came up very, you know, he's a few years younger than me, but, you know, he played with the Royals. I, I played against him there. And, you know, I've kind of followed him just because of, uh, you know, I like to see the guys I played against and they're in the game. And, you know, and it was good to, you know, I, I thought he had a good thing going. And he did, of course. I mean, they won a ring, but it's just a little tarnished, you know. It's like, sure. You're always going to have that. You know, always going to have somebody just the same as the steroid stuff, you know. Yeah. Even though those guys are outstanding players, they're big leaguers and, and all that stuff. You know, the McGuire's and the Bonds and even, you know, Clemens or whatever. They never got caught, I guess, but. You know, they're still, you know, unreal players. They're just stained a little bit because, you know, the cheating part. That's right. You got to face a lot of these the, kind of the, the guys that have been accused of, of juicing, the McGuire's, oh, the yeah. Sosa's. Would you, rather uh-huh. face, would you rather face one of them or would you rather face somebody on the Astros, maybe even like Jose Altuve, who knows what, what pitch is coming? I'd rather face a guy on steroids. I mean, that's what I did. Yeah. (laughs) And and honestly, and this is the honest truth. If I made my pitch, I usually got them out. You know what I'm saying? Whether they were on steroids or not. Um, Did they have an advantage? You know, I think the biggest advantage of it wasn't necessarily power. I mean, all those guys got power. I, I think a lot of it was, you know, just being stronger every day, you know, because baseball grinds you down. And when you're feeling tired or feeling weak, I mean, you only got to be off a minute or a little second and you and you lose. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. having that bad as a pitcher or, you know, if I miss by an inch or two and it's up one day and my arm ain't feeling good because I pitched three out of the last four days, you know, I might lose a little edge there with my stuff or command. Whereas the guy that that's doing that, on the performance enhancing, he may feel better than me, you know, and and same goes with a hitter, you know, and for me as a player, I never, I never even thought about doing that. I knew guys were doing it and it really didn't bother me. You know, I was just kind of, even when I was in high school, guys were doing it, you know, you get college guys are doing it, you know, it's, it's, it's just in the game there. It was, you know, it probably still is some way, but, you know, for me, I was just always wanting to be a better pitcher. I never felt like I needed. But now that when it's over and I look back, I'm like, well, hell, I could have been stronger every day and been more endurance. Like, you know, I'm glad I didn't know that. I mean, or I, might, I might have played longer. I don't yeah. know, you know, but, but I never did that. I, I didn't. And, and I never really dogged anybody out for doing it. It's their own career. Um, I don't blame them. They do what they got to do, but. But in the end, I know that when I was out there, I was clean and I did my best as, as way I was. But um, like I said, I don't necessarily say nothing bad about people that did it. I got friends that, that did it. So I said, Mark McGuire, he admitted it. You know, I, I looked up to him. I still do. 
you know, I just hate the fact that, that they did it and they can't be where they want to be for it, you know. But, but like I said, you're, when you're in it, you're playing, you're just competing. You know, guys find every second or every, everything they can do to find an edge, you know, because that's how hard the game is. And it's just that hard, you know. And you got to find a way to, to beat that next guy, you know. And if you don't, guess what? They're going to let somebody else come do it, you know. Mm-hmm. That's, that's just the way it is. I mean, it's a constant battle at that level. You know, and for most guys, you know, not everybody, you know, is A-Rods and all them. I mean, guys like me, I mean, we grinded and fought and, you know, every day was was a blessing that we got to stay there, you know, because there was always somebody wanting your job. It, it's still that way. It's just so hard to, to stay there and uh, and be really good at it every day. Yeah. So I've got a, I've got a selfish question. That I ask uh, any anybody that might know him, <laughs> I am a I am a huge Ricky Henderson fan. Did you uh, did you ever face Ricky? Yeah, yeah. He was actually with Seattle at the end of his career, and maybe last year or two. Uh, um, that's when I faced him. Yeah, he led off for them uh, a few times. That I had a few starts against him. Um, I've only heard good about that guy. Our bullpen coach with the White Sox was Art Kushner. Ah. And Caveman, you know, he was Oakland, you know, Tony. And, you know, um, he told a lot of stories about him, um, just about how good of a guy. I mean, everybody you talk to, you know, he's, they're the crazy stories, you know. They always say the same, oh, Ricky, Ricky, you know, the third person. And, you know, everybody's heard the John Oliver story, you know. That was the big one that went around. You know, he played with him in, I guess, Seattle. And then, or New York, and then played in Seattle or something. And supposedly he went up to him and said, Hey, I played with a guy in uh, Seattle wore a helmet like that. You know, he, it was actually the same guy as John O'Rourke, you know. But, uh, but I don't know how true that is. Yeah, we finally got to the bottom of that. The, uh, the, that, was, uh, that was spun by the equipment manager of the Mariners. He admitted to coming up with that story. <laughs> but some of the other ones are true. Framing a check. Uh, calling, calling, uh, Kevin Towers, those kind of things. Yeah, those, those are yeah. crazy and true. That's right. Yeah, you know <laughs> the thing about him. However you look at it, I mean, he's he backed it up. Whatever he did, I mean, he put it on the field and he did it. You know, um, he was cocky, flashy, and you know a lot of things that I don't really like. But when you when you do that, and the guys actually go out and they're they're ricky anderson i mean what can you say about it you know you gotta you know and he ended up growing on me and and you know watching his documentary and on mlb network and stuff those are great you know and and and, you know he's still in the game you know he did it for a long time and he's still giving back to it so you know that's a he's a he's definitely a pure big league hall of famer so one of my favorite things is Tony Gwen said that Ricky Henderson was one of the best teammates he ever had. I think that's the thing oh, yeah. that makes me the happiest when I hear somebody like Tony Gwen say that about, you know, the guy oh, that man. I you know, And there's a lot of guys that, that you play against that you hate. You know, then when you play with them, next thing you know, it's like, man, this guy's great. You know, <laughs> but you just stand playing against him, you know. But, you know, they end up being good teammates. I mean, there's, it's just but that's what makes them good players, too. You know, they, they they may be jerks or they may not be the nicest guys off the field or, you know, going to hang out all the time. But when 
when they put that time in on the field and they go out there and they play hard and they're team guys and, and they respect you, I mean, that's the, that's the best thing that, that, you know, as, as a player could get. That's the best compliment you can get, man. If, if somebody ever said, if you ever talk to somebody and they say, man, Sean was a good teammate, you know, that's the best thing I can, that I can hear, you know, it, it, it's a, it really is. If you gain that respect from your teammates, you know, it's just a, that's, that's what I, but that's kind of how I wanted to be, you know, but some guys aren't, you know, but, yeah. you know, even if they're not the greatest guys, they put it on the field and they play hard for you and they help you win. I mean, that's what you're there to do, you know, so not every personality is, you know, men's or goes together. Sometimes they clash, but when they go get on the field, you know, that's all what it's all about. So uh, we've got, uh, as, as I told you before we uh, before we started, we like to do uh, we like to look at some baseball cards here. And I just wanted before we get into that, I wanted to ask you about baseball cards. Now, when we we spoke briefly the other day, uh, I said I got a question or two about a couple of your baseball cards, and you said, "Yeah, I think I know. I think I know what you're going to ask. What uh, <laughs> what uh, what do you get asked, or do you talk about with one of your baseball cards more than any?" Well. Uh- my first card that I ever saw was a, it wasn't even me on the card. <laughs> oh, that's terrible. Yeah. It's Jim Austin. Okay. Jim Austin played at Arizona state. He got drafted. He's a junior one. You know, I only played one year there. So I came in as he went out and he wore 22 yeah. and that's what number I wore at Arizona state. So the first card that I got, it, it was at my hometown. They had a little card shop there, and they said, "Hey, your your cards out, right?" This was before I got in the big this after my dress a draft pick card. So I go up there, and I, you know, I'm like, "Shit, that ain't even me," you know. <laughs> it was Jim Austin. So, and they made two different kinds. One of them's with him on the front and me on the back, and then there's one with me on the front and him on the back. But there was never one with me on both, you know. <laughs> So I signed a bunch of them, you know, but there was a moment in time when I kept getting caught. I'm like, you know what? I just, I'd rip them up sometimes. You know, I just took that. But most of the time I'd sign it and give it back um, and just send it back. Uh, but I didn't mind signing it. Somebody gave it to me, like handed me the thing. I would sign it for sure. But a lot of people mail in stuff. And sometimes I would, sometimes I wouldn't, but I do now. If anybody spends enough time to send me something now, I'll find whatever. Well, you know. I'm looking at this picture, and uh, you know, it's cl- it is number 22, and uh, uh-huh. he's got an infielder's glove, but he's got a, a batting glove on underneath it, and he, you know, his yeah. jersey's dirty. It looks like he's was he a third baseman or or something? He 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 did. I think he played outfield more um, than anything, but I think he did play some third base. I think I'm, I'm not a. You know, it's a major mess up, you know. I mean, too bad I didn't end up a Hall of Famer. It might be worth something, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's the, the famous kidding. Gary Pettis card where his brother, it's his brother, and his brother's kind of doing like a, a glamour shot pose. He's got his hand under his chin, but oh, it's goodness. not him. I never knew that one. <laughs> yeah, I never knew that one. Uh, Gary, he was, with the White, he was a coach with the White Sox. He's a real good guy. But I never knew about that. I mean, it, there's all kinds of them out there. You know, it's amazing how they can how they can do it. But, you know, especially back then, I think they were just printing everything left and right. You know, the market was actually pretty good. Oh, yeah. You know, that's right before it kind of, you know, after that, it kind of faded. You know, it wasn't as good anymore. But back then, I mean, they'd give you 
you know, cards left and right, and, you know, you sign them, they pay you to sign them, you know, and heck, a lot of guys would get people just to sign them, you know, and say, here, sign these thousand cards for me. <laughs> Uh, then they figured it out and they, they started doing it where they have to watch you actually sign them yeah. you know they yes. come in and watch you but, but so to make them authentic but you know there's a lot of bad cards going around I guarantee you <laughs> all right well let's uh, let's get into our segment it's a segment that uh, we call Wax Packs Heroes gotta pull a wax pack heroes And uh, with this, I have got uh, one of those kind of old wax packs. I picked one from 1992. I figured that that would be, uh, that's the, the oldest or the, the the youngest, I guess, pack I've got. And I figured mm-hmm. this might have some guys here that you faced uh, when we open it. And okay. so what we do is I've also got a Beckett baseball card monthly here from 1992. So that the mm-hmm. prices, you know, there's some value to some of these things. We we did it before where we used a current one and none of these cards had any value. So uh, we use this to, to, to get, a, you know, a little bit of value on these. And uh, we've got a leaderboard. We've also got a couple of extra rules. Um, one, if the player uh, is wearing a mustache, if they have a mustache, you get an extra cent because mm-hmm. a lot of players were at that point. Uh, if they're wearing <laughs> if they're wearing real stirrups that we can see, you get an extra you get an extra cent for that as well. But yeah, if, I like that. if you're wearing the two in ones and we can see that, you know, the sewn on stirrups, then you, you minus yeah, a point. Yeah, you would have you would have minus a point there for that one. But then also if you're a Hall of Famer, you get an extra five cents. So that's where the, okay. the big yeah, so money's the, made. The thing with those uh two in ones, the reason why I wore them just because I hated taking stirrups. I mean, they, they wrap around your, your leg and, you know, they're tight and they're just, when you take them on and off every day like that, you know, whatever's easy is what I like. So that's why I ended up wearing those things. <laughs> now, did you, did you wear your pants long or did you, did you show any? Yeah. Stuff? Yeah. No, I, I mean, I, I went right above my ankles. I mean, you could see a few inches, you know, you didn't, I didn't wear them over my shoe, but I just, <laughs> you know, they still had elastic on them, you know, back in the day. But I never, I didn't like the high stuff. <laughs> All right, so here we go. So we'll open this. We'll see uh, see what the value is in this pack, and see if you uh, you've got some stories or, or anything about any of these guys. Um, so the first guy, uh, second baseman for the San Diego Padres, who we found out just uh, last week was on uh, on a list of the biggest jerks of 1996. Apparently, uh, though we've never heard that he was a jerk. Bip Roberts. Oh, really? Um, other than just playing against him, I don't have any stories. I, I, I know I faced him probably when he was at San Diego back in the day, but I can't remember. I'm pretty sure, but that's about it. That's the only thing I would have with him. Well, uh, he's uh, – I, I like to collect cards that have other players in the card here too, and it, he is uh-huh. uh, turning a double play and somebody's sliding in underneath him at second base, so I can clearly see that he's got real stirrups on. So the card is not worth anything, but you do get one cent for uh, for the go. stirrups there. Good deal. <laughs> so this guy uh, is a very famous White Sox, has his number retired there, and is a Hall of Famer. So you get an extra five cents there. He definitely mm-hmm. has a mustache. 
but he is wearing the two-in-one stirrups. And uh, here he's a member of my favorite team, the Oakland A's, Harold Baines. Harold Baines, yeah. Played a lot of golf with him. Yeah. About as, about as good a person as you'll ever meet. I was super happy when he made, when he got in the Hall of Fame. He deserves it. He's, he's a pure dude. You know, he grinded. He played forever. Was one of the best hitters in the game for a long time. You know, still giving back. Um, got to play a lot of golf with him um, in a few years. You know, we, we got him when I was with the White Sox in a trade. Uh, we got him and Charles Johnson, I think. Mm-hmm. You know, he got to be on the team that year, and then I think in 01. I think that was his last year. But, you know, I, I go to the games sometimes here in town when he was coaching. I'd sit down, I'd sit down and he always would come up and say hello and throw my kid the ball um, when they were younger. This has been several years ago. But uh, he did that for a few times. I got both my daughter and my son a ball. and So he's as good as it gets. That's good. He, he, I... always, he always seemed like he would be a good guy and, and a professional hitter for sure. Yeah and things he had. I mean, everybody tears up when you get in the Hall of Fame, but, I mean, it meant so much to him, really did, and you could see it, and those were real. I mean, that was true, Harold Baines. You know, he, he was that was who he was. He, and he never really looked for glory, you know. he was He's an under-radar guy. You know, he's yeah. one of those guys who goes about his business, takes care of it, and you know his name, you know. Yep. Yep. It was great. I'm so happy for him. Well, that card, according to Beckett's, doesn't have any value, but you do get five cents because he is a Hall of Famer. That always carries the clout. So that brings you up to six cents. Well, yes, he has a mustache, doesn't he? Oh, yes, but he's wearing the yeah, two-in-ones. He's got the two-in-ones. So uh, that... I, know, I know Harold always had the mustache. Yeah, he had that beard and mustache. Yeah, that... yeah, I got you. All right, next, this is one of my favorite names to say, and when uh, when Philadelphia Phillies play-by-play announcer uh, – Harry Callis used to say it. It was always the best. Mickey Morandini. Yeah, I don't. I don't think. I don't think I faced him. Uh, I know he was an old Philly, uh, but I'm not. I didn't play. I don't even remember playing against Philadelphia a whole lot. Maybe in spring training. Uh, matter of fact, so that that's probably a, a no go for me. Well, according to Beckett's, it is also a no-go. No value there, no mustache, and I can't see any stirrups. So that'll just be a, a push on that one. Uh, next, we've got a pitcher for the San Francisco Giants. He's wearing a throwback jersey in this picture. It is Jeff Brantley. Yeah, Brantley was a Cardinal when I my first call-up. Huh. And, yep, and he took care of me. Great dude. Uh, he always would take us like there was only a few times because it was a September call up. Uh, but every you know we fly usually on Sunday you play a day game and then you, when you fly out you go to the other city and you get there and you you got time usually to go have a nice dinner you know. And Brantley would always uh, he would get the guys rookies I call them and he got any of our guys and he'd always every well, two or three, I say always the few times that we had the opportunity. He, he would make sure he took us out to eat and, and took care of us and, you know, taught us even wine. You know, he's a big wine guy, you know, and I didn't care. I was just, you know, Bud Light, you know. But, <laughs> um, but he'd take us to these beautiful restaurants. He, he'd always know people, you know, in them. And um, 
and what you know, like I said, he he was a great big leaguer too, and he treated me right. He, he didn't have an ego, but he was a you know just a tough guy out there on the field, you know, and um, you know, I, I didn't that year is the only time I played with him, and the next time I really saw him, he kind of was last year or two was after '97. We didn't play much longer after that. He got into broadcasting, and the last time I saw him was in '02. And I hadn't seen him since, you know, probably three or four or five years since then. And he came out on the field as in New York. And he was broadcast or doing the radio or something for ESPN maybe. But he came out there and, you know, I'd never think he'd walk up to me and say, hey, Sean, how you doing, man? You know, I'd never dreamed that, you know, because I was just a regular Joe. But, you know, I didn't play with him very long. But, you know, my time that he spent with me, he remembered and, you know, it made me feel good that he didn't come up and talk about it, you know. So, it was cool. You know, he's he's a good one. Well, he looks great in this throwback uniform. Uh, no mustache. Yeah, he always had a mullet. Yeah, he always had a mullet. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. That is, uh, I can definitely see <laughs> that. You get some mullet points, man. You might get some mullet points. Yeah, yeah we don't have mullet points. Uh, they might be negative is the problem. <laughs> but he's uh, he's definitely got some stirrups here, some old-timey stirrups. So, you do get one point for that to bring you up to seven cents. Uh, next, you. uh, you've got a, a rookie prospect here, third baseman for the Detroit Tigers, Scott Livingston. He's a Texas boy. I still see him. Um, played with him. Uh, with the Cardinals that first year, he was on the Cardinals. He was hurt. Um, he didn't play. He wasn't playing. He was on the DL at that time. But uh, I always knew of him because he went to Texas A&M, and he was a few years older than me, and he played on that, that A&M team that, that was like 50 and 0 or whatever back in like 89, you know, um, mm. but I always knew who he was. And then, you know, of course, when I got called up to the team, you know, I got to spend a little time with him. That's the only time I played with him, but, but um, I run into him every now and again around here at a golf tournament or something uh, yeah. around the Dallas area here. He, he lives out, out here. So um, I don't know if I ever faced him, but I played with him. Well, uh, this is his rookie card, so it's worth a little bit. It's worth three cents, and he's got some good yeah. stirrups going on there. So that's a four-cent card for you. So that puts you in double digits at 11. <laughs> Next, we've got another uh, rookie prospect. I don't remember this guy for the New York Yankees, Carlos Rodriguez. Yeah. Uh, you know, only time I played the Yankees, uh, other than the big leagues, and I know he wasn't on those teams, uh, was in the uh, Florida State League in 93. Uh, so I don't remember him at all. Uh, Jeter was on that team, though, but he wasn't. Ah. Well, this is again, it's his rookie card, so it's worth two cents, and he likewise has stirrups, so that's another three cents for you. Now you're, yeah. now you're on a roll. Uh, next, oh, you got an, another rookie card. This one, a uh, pitcher for the Milwaukee Brewers, Doug Henry. I played against him for sure. I think it was more when he might have been with the Astros uh, at that time, back in you know my my t short time I had. But um, you know, I know he's good relief, good good bullpen guy, threw real hard, big guy too. Yeah, um, I think he was around for a. He had a good decent career. Oh yeah, yeah, played a long time, very long time, very successful big league career. So he was a good one, uh, good bullpen guy. Yeah, so that card is worth five cents, but he's wow. got he's got the two and ones on there, so that's going to knock him down to four cents. <laughs> but still, you're you're getting there. You're at eighteen cents. You're you know, yeah. we're, we're you're not going to get uh, you're not going to get 
you know, independently wealthy on these cards, but this is uh, this is no. pretty good. <laughs> uh, next, wow! So here's you got a lot of rookie prospects here. This guy, uh, I remember, he had a, a good couple of years for sure. Juan Guzman, pitcher for the Toronto Blue Jays. Blue Jays, Blue yes, Jays, correct. Yeah, uh, I, mean, I, I remember him. Uh, I know I probably played against him at the end of his career, maybe. Uh, but I remember watching him a lot, you know, in those World Series, you know, back in the day. But that's the only connection I got. I, I, I don't remember. Uh, I think, I, you know, by the time I was getting through there, he would, might have been getting done. But I might have played against him, you know, against the Blue Jays at some point. But I don't, I don't remember. Well, you're going to like him because this is his rookie card. It's worth 15 cents. Plus, he has got a mustache and he has got real stirrups. So no, that, that is going to almost double your score. You're going to Jerry curl probably too. Oh, oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That'll move you up to thirty five yeah. cents though, right there. So that was a that was a big yeah. winner. Yeah, that's a good card there. Yeah. Uh, next, we've got another pitcher. This one for the California Angels, uh, Jeff Robinson. You know what? It's crazy. He was the first big league guy that I ever met. Wow. And I was in ninth grade. I went to a Texas Ranger game and they were playing the, the Tigers. Now, th- I don't know if it's the same guy because if he's with the Angels, but this guy, he was with the Tigers. This is a 1984, 85. It was, might have been his rookie year. I think it was his first year. But my, I, I want to say my dad took me to a bar, but he, but he did. You know, we went to the game, but him and his buddy, we sat in left field. Uh, Sir Gibson was out there. He was nice. in left field. Yeah, we were on him. My, my dad's buddy was kind of on it. He played a good game out there. He bounced with the fans and stuff. Anyway, long story short, the game was over. Went to a place. It was called the Safari Bar. It was just right there by the field. And, and my dad, it, it wasn't like a bar like, you go in and people are sitting at a bar smoking cigarettes. It was like a little club type area, you know, just laid back, you know, nice place. But we went in there because I, I guess my dad, because big league was in there. I don't know. And we walked in and actually Jack Morris was there. Kirk Gibson was there. Wow. And Jeff Robinson was there. Okay. Gibson talked to me. Uh, Jack uh, Morris didn't give me the time of day. And then <laughs> Jeff Robinson actually talked to me for a while, me and my dad. And he gave me tickets to the game the next night. Nice. So we went, uh, next day went, went to Will Call, went to the game. It was awesome. So if that's the same guy, I wish I could get a hold of that guy. If you ever could, let me know. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll try. We'll try our best. Seriously, uh, we have to give it a shot. Because <laughs> uh, that's a great story. Somebody might be on Twitter. I don't know. Uh, but I, I may look him up. Look him up, actually. That brought good memories. That's a good story. Um, I'm mm-hmm. glad you got good memories because Beckett doesn't have uh, doesn't have any value assigned to him, uh, and there's yeah. there's no mustache or I can't see any stirrups there. So, but that's a great story. Right handed pitcher, right? Yes. Yep. Right handed pitcher. Okay. He may not be uh, you know one of Beckett's best friends, but he's certainly number one in our hearts. All right. <laughs> hey, buddy. Hey. He's got a good story with me the rest of my life, for sure. That's right. 
All right, so yeah. next we've got a, a left-handed pitcher. This guy pitched for a long time for the Detroit Tigers, Frank Tanana. Yeah, I remember him. You know, he I never he was I think he was gone by the time I got there, but you know, I, I remember watching him back in the day. You know, just he was a crafty guy when I watched him. You know, you see video of him now. I didn't know at that time, but you know, he used to be a big blower. You know, I heard, you know, when he first came up and then he played forever, you know, his last 10 years, he was like Jamie Moyer, you know, mm -hmm. it wasn't a real hard thrower, but he was a really good pitcher, you know, lefty guy. Yeah. Well, he's a lefty in the eighties. He could stick up. around forever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that's uh, not he's worth it. He's got to have something. Yeah. That he, well, he's got real stirrups. He's got that going for him, but that's, that's, that's about it. Yeah. No, these, these, nah. These uh, scorecards in 92 aren't big money cards, but uh, here's another left-handed pitcher. This one for the Seattle Mariners, Russ Swan. Yeah, I don't, don't ring a bell for me. I remember I Russ did, Swan. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't remember that name. Yeah, I remember Russ Swan, Swan as well. Again, one of those lefties that kind of bounced around for a while as a reliever. Um, the bad news here is that uh, he is wearing... Uh, the two and ones. Two yeah. Yeah, that's it. Exit, huh? <laughs> uh, now, this this guy I remember quite a bit. I think he was on the, uh, I think he was on the the Twins World Series team in in the nineties. Shane Mack, an outfielder. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, big right right handed hitter. Um, I just remember watching him on, like you're saying, on the Twins. That's that's the first thing that popped in my head. Um, I don't remember. Uh, actually playing against him or anything. But uh, I do remember those World Series, and I do remember that name for sure. So the card isn't worth anything. It's a great card. He's he's running. his a mustache? Yeah, oh, yeah. He's got a mustache, and he's yeah. got real stirrups. And he's got a dirty yeah. jersey. It looks like he's he's on the base paths, and is he's lost his batting helmet, and he's sprinting around the bases. It's a really great picture. Um, nice. So you'll get two cents for that. Uh, with the with the stirrups and the uh, and the and the mustache, mustache. so that'll bump you back up to thirty seven. Next, we've got a pitcher for the Pirates, right hander Bob. This is always an unfortunate name for a pitcher, Walk. Bob Walk. Bob Walk. Yeah, I remember him as a player, and you know when I played with Pittsburgh, uh, he's a TV guy. Yeah, I think he still he, is. He does, yeah, he does their play play by play TV stuff. So um, I just knew him as a you know, after his time, but um, he's a really nice guy, you know, really smart guy, good big leaguer. You know, he, he was one of those guys, you always remember him because of his, like you said, because of his name, you know, it's like, oh, walk, well, what kind of name is that for a pitcher, you know? But it, it, it gets, it makes him famous in some ways too, but, you know, he had a good career. As, he was a pitcher for a long time. And, um, like I said, he's, he's been in, been in the game for a long time too. He's, He's a good announcer, too. I always enjoyed listening to him, and he was always fair, you know. Bob Walk and Grant Balfour, or Balfour. Right. Yeah. Those are some. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, no stirrups that I yeah, can Balfour, see. Balfour, he's, he's a hockey guy, ain't he? Who? Grant, Grant Balfour? No, that's, uh, you're thinking of uh, probably Grant Fuhr and Eddie Balfour. They were both goalies. Oh, that's it. So, ball four. Yeah, you're talking about ball four. Yeah. I got you. Yeah, he, he was a closer for the A's for a while. He's Australian. That's yeah. uh, one of those. Uh, yeah, I remember just recently, not too long ago, right? Yeah, yeah, just uh, in yeah. the 2010s yeah. or 20 teens, somewhere yeah, around there. Yeah. 
Yeah. Had a better name than that uh, that one player, that left fielder, Tony uh, Double in the Corner. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. that never went over well. <laughs> <laughs> so he's uh, Bob Walk does have a nice mustache here, so you do get a you nice. do get a scent out of that. Uh, now this is a name I loved watching this guy play. Here he is with the Montreal Expos, Marquise Grissom. Oh, yeah. I played against him quite a bit. Um, you know, uh, Expos and Indians, and uh, he played with quite a few teams. He was a good big leaguer. Uh, played a long time, really outstanding center fielder. You know, could hit too. You know, he was an all around player. Uh, remember him well. Yeah, so he is, uh, that card is worth two cents. And then uh, he's always had a mustache and he's got uh-huh. some nice stirrups there. So that is a four yeah. cent card. Yeah. Okay, now this is a name. You've got two cards left here and this is great. You mentioned this guy, uh, pitcher. Here he is with the Blue Jays. But uh, you said he got injured earlier and that precipitated you getting called up to the big leagues. Yeah, Todd Stottlemyre. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Thank goodness for Todd Stottlemyre. I'd have never got a chance, right? Oh, I don't <laughs> think that's the case, but. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, Todd and I, we, you know, he, he's like a, he does motivational speaking stuff now. Um, he's a pretty popular guy when it comes to that, that kind of stuff. He's, he's, he's a good one, man. He was another one of those guys that, uh, you know, took care of you. You know, uh, yeah, I only played that one season with him. I think I don't think he was there in '98 in St. Louis. He might have been hurt still, maybe. But, but uh, you know, he was one of those guys that's been around baseball his whole life, and you know, just still treated you like like he was normal. You're just a normal guy, you know. But, but he has, he has, he's a grind. I mean, he's the toughest dude on the field, dude. You know, I mean, he's out there huffing and puffing and competing. You know, there was a – I got a good story for you. Uh, with him and uh, Carney Lansford. And Carney Lansford, the old player, with, they played together. Stoudemire and him played together in uh, Oakland. Oakland, yep. Yeah. And, you know, when Tony came over to Cardinals, you know, Carney came and coached. And – Carney was a coach at the time when I was with him, but him and Todd had known each other. And they always called money glue, right? They always talked about money as being glue. You got any glue or I got all the glue. Or, <laughs> you know, we're, we're in Boston. I think Boston. If not, not in Boston. I can't remember what bar. That, it was like the hotel bar somewhere. And and there was a bunch of guys, a bunch of the team down there drinking, you know, having some, some cocktails. And, you know, the check comes out. And... Stoudemire was a big timer and Carney was already, you know, retired and played forever. And, you know, the check comes out and Stoudemire's like, I got it. You know, it's everybody. You know, I don't know. It's three, four hundred dollars. You know, it was a handful of people. And Carney's like, you ain't getting it. I got it. You know, you're a little young punk. I got it. You know, Stoudemire's like, I got it. And next thing you know, all right, we'll headbutt for it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I swear. <laughs> and they did. They hit it three times, and finally, Stoudemire's like, "You got it." <laughs> <laughs> That's where. That's it. Oh my! They, they weren't. They headbutted, dude. I'm telling you. Wow! And, and it was that... amazing. Arnie, the thing with with the Cardinals and Larusa and them was, 
you know, you had to earn your time and respect. You know, Carney was the he, – he helped the pitchers in batting practice. So he took care of the pitchers. So he always – every day when batting practice for the pitchers came, where it was in the cage or whatever, he always – he was the thrower, made sure he helped you, bunted, whatever. That was his responsibility. And even even when you were getting in the cage, if there's five of you standing there, the guy that had the most time in the big leagues got to hit first and then so on and so on. So they, they were always about that respect, about your, you know, the guys that have been there. You always had to earn that. You always had to earn yours. And, you know, when you're a rookie, you know, you, you shut up, keep your mouth shut and yours open, you know. And even the buses, you were, if you were a rookie, after the game you have two buses. Usually you have players bus and you have like a media bus. But it, on, on, in that time, if you're a rookie, you had to ride on the other bus. And all the rest of the team rode on the, the main bus, the team bus. Ain't that yeah. crazy? Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's what it was. But it was just – so at the time when he's talking about getting a check, you know, Carney's like, you know, you came up, you were just a kid. You know, I'm a big leaguer. I'm, you know, this is my responsibility. Stallmer's like, you're just an old coach. You ain't shit. You know, whatever. But, you know, they're all right. We'll headbang for it. But they did, and Carney won. <laughs> then they probably <laughs> both went in different directions and both just – had a headache, yeah, and, had but headache didn't want to show it, didn't yeah. want to rub it. But they were stubborn. <laughs> yeah, both very stubborn. That's for sure. Well, uh, unfortunately, this card is not worth anything, and and Todd is wearing some two and ones here. Yeah, so. he's a two and one guy. so that's gonna bump you back down to 41 and we get to your last card which is again coincidentally a pitcher a left-hander for the pittsburgh pirates randy tomlin yeah i remember uh i remember him but but i don't i don't recall any good stories or nothing i just remember the name more than anything left-hand pitcher you say yep yeah i remember him i remember that about him that's about it well, uh, oh got you, you got you, any money on him? He does not, but he is wearing some real stirrups. So he, he's got Good. some redeeming value there to bump you back up to 42 cents, which, good deal. which is good. Uh, if, if we look at our all-time leaderboard, uh, that, uh, let's see, that puts you right up. You're in seventh place. I'll take it. Yeah, no, that's, uh, that's respectable. <laughs> yeah, that'll work. Um, yeah, we've we had a, an author on recently that just did a book. Uh, his name's Brad Belukjan, and he did a book called The Wax Pack Book, where he opened a pack uh-huh. of 1986 tops, and then he went and talked to everybody from that pack. And he brought his own pack, and he got a dollar and eight cents, which is all time high. But uh, you 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 came in just underneath Amari Gonzalez, who's the A's, uh, the Oakland A's uh, Spanish announcer. Uh-huh. But uh, uh-huh. that is a very acceptable, uh, for a 92 yeah. score, that's a very acceptable score. Very good. I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> well, Sean, we really appreciate you coming on and, and spending some time with us. This was a lot of fun, yep. a lot of great stories. You got it, man. All right. So we would like to thank, once again, Sean Lowe for coming and joining us. Just some great stuff. Uh, he threatened that he would be willing to come back on if if we ever ask him again and i informed him that we absolutely will have him on again <laughs> i still have a good list of questions that i wanted to ask him but didn't want to make him stay on the phone with us for yeah. you know an entire afternoon you were only on page 37 if i remember correctly <laughs> 
ah, it's just, you know, we get somebody like that. And uh, we love to talk about, you know, kind of what goes on behind the scenes of baseball. And he had great, great answers. So I still have a lot more questions for him. But thanks again to Sean Lowe. That was that was really great. Yeah. Glad he could spend some time with us. So let's uh, as we usually do at this point in the show, I want to thank all of our listeners. We really do appreciate it. We appreciate uh, you rating and reviewing. Uh, If you have done so, we thank you. Uh, If you haven't, anything helps. Just spreading the word, telling people, you know, that uh, about our show was great. Uh, I saw we did. I don't know if you'll know this name, Mark, but uh, we got a nice note from the Milwaukee Mauler on Twitter. Really? Former professional wrestler, a big time A's fan. He listened to our interview with Vince Catronio from the A's. And I was so excited that he commented on that. He, uh, whenever the A's are in the Midwest playing a game, he is there. They will always show him. And uh, he's a big A's fan. So that that made my day kind of today. That's great stuff, man. Uh, if you want to get a hold of us, you can always follow us on social media. We're there. We're talking. Good way to good way to interact with us. You can find us at Two Strike Noise. That is at T W O Strike Noise on Twitter and Instagram. We are likewise on YouTube. We've got some videos up there. We just search for Two Strike Noise podcast. We are currently in the middle of. If you enjoy our Wax Packs Hero segment here. We are currently in the middle of the first annual Bump Bailey Wax Packs Hero Tournament of Awesome. And what we're doing is we've got some other internet personalities, some podcasts, some some good Twitter followers, and we're doing a video version of this as a head-to-head tournament, March Madness style. And we're getting down to the finals. There's video of every cards. Uh, It's... You know, we're just goofing off, having a good time, looking at some cards, talking about some some 80s baseball players. Uh, make sure to join us. And, and I'll put the link in the show notes so you can watch all of those. Uh, likewise, you can also watch our Wax Packs Hero segment uh, that we do here on this show. So if you want to see the cards that Sean Lowe was talking about, you can catch them there as well. Uh, Mark, people can also get a hold of us via via email. Absolutely. Feel free to write to us at two strike noise. Spell it out. T-W-O strike noise at gmail.com. And uh, we'd love to hear from you. If you've got any questions, any topic suggestions, shoot them our way. We'd love to hear them. Uh, Mark, right. this was great. I am game for, for maybe doing one more episode. We'll see how it goes after that. But definitely next week we will be back. Uh, are you on board? I'm thinking about it. Yeah, OK, I'll do it. OK, so. If you enjoy our show, we'll have at least one more show and there probably more. Yes, after that. probably. We can't get canceled. This is a pay, pay, pay for <laughs> play right. here. That's right. <laughs> can't cancel us. <laughs> Suck it. That's All right. right. <laughs> so, hopefully we'll be back and join us for another episode of Two Strike Noise.